This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. This is your host, Rocky Rockcliffe. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Charles Cook couldn't be with us uh, at the start of the show. He's assured me that he will try to uh, come down a little bit later on, David. First, got to give a uh, quick shout-out to my wonderful assistant, Blanca, as well as her compatriots, Natalie and Jessica, upstairs in my office. They were asking me on the way down, where can we listen to the radio show? And I'm like, you haven't been listening the entire time? You're fired. No, but uh, so they're they're uh, hopefully up there listening today. So uh, girls, do great work for us. Thank you very much. Um, I don't have a gardening minute today. I don't know if you have anything to offer about that. It's, uh, it's dead middle of winter right now. Nothing growing at my house. I'm not going to have anything growing at my house for a while because my house is on the market to sell. So can't really can't really run a garden or anything when you're trying to uh, trying to sell a house or anything. But uh, how's your holidays going, David? Uh, well, they're going. You know, it's it's, it's a bad thing. Uh, there's a lot of uh, folks that are sick right now, and uh, my wife being uh, what, what are you trying to do? Trying you want to raise the mic? mic? Up, yeah. See the no? You see where you're? Yeah, right there. No, 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 no. Push the button. Oh, push that button. Now pull. There you. Look Son of you. a gun! You are oh, mechanical. Oh my goodness! All kinds of high tech there. Golly. Yeah. So um, who's so who's sick? Your wife? Uh, yeah. I mean, but everybody's got a cold, and uh, it's really been going rampant. And uh, you know, I was I had a little something over the over the over the Christmas uh, holidays, and but I'm I'm feeling fine now. You and, know what? Uh, come to think, of, I my uh, some of my siblings, uh, my sister in law, her family. They've all been sick, but it has avoid my house, my wife and daughters, uh, and I have avoided it. I tell you what, and and this this is not farming, this is not <laughs> gardening or anything else, but um, Doctor uh, Doctor George Elena George that does medicine on call, she is a big believer in it. Got me involved, or got me to start really looking at it and take vitamin D is an incredible vitamin, and. Um, you can take, you know, if you feel like you're coming down with something, uh, be it a call or, or I felt like I was getting the flu sort of. So I really started loading up. I mean, I was taking, you know, 15, 20,000 units uh, a day just for a couple of days. You yeah. don't take it like that forever. But you can't. You do take it as a, it helps the immune system anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'll take, uh, I, I think I take 2,000 units a day just as as maintenance. But it is incredible. And, really? Uh, Notice a difference? Oh, you know, oh. in a couple of days, yeah. So, hey, um, try it out, folks. Vitamin D. I, I'm not prescribing and I'm not telling not anybody prescribing, anything. Just but, simply uh, uh, sharing sharing our uh, thoughts it, and feelings. It are good <laughs> stuff. I mean, anything that, that uh, I was just reading an article about um, uh, one of the uh, oregano is supposed to be very good for a lot of things. Uh, dime, dime bags of oregano? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> now, anyway, we're glad to have you here. The, right. This is the uh, – you're going to be putting the – we got uh, one more live show today. we got some pre-recorded shows, and then we're putting the plug in the jug for 2013. Yep, the last – do you have any other shows today? Yeah, we got one uh, – another more, live one. At, one more live uh, today. Okay, yeah. all right, one more live and, today, uh, and, then it's, uh, and then it's off to the new year. Wait, wait a second. You know, you, you said somebody was missing uh, – I, I re- there was a guy that kept coming in here all year, every Tuesday morning around 9 o'clock. Sometimes he was a little later than that. But, you know, he'd get here within reason of, two, of, of, of uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. And he kept saying, this is the year. This is the year. 
Has something happened this year that nothing is passed that reform? You know, we haven't. And it's funny you say that because uh, I stopped by uh, Chuck's office on the way down here uh, to see if he was coming down to the show. And he, uh, as I was leaving his office, points out. Yeah, Congressman. Uh, so somebody uh, came out and said they're going to they're going to get immigration reform done in 2014. And, and my my response was, well, the president said they were going to they were going to do it in 2009, I think. Yeah. So I'm I'm uh, well. Waiting, we know I'm what the president. With, I'm waiting with bated breath. That is that the same president that said you can keep your doctor and you can David, keep your. Is David, that the same one? He, he's a whole topic for a whole other show. <laughs> we're, we're here just to talk about the immigration aspect of it. But you're right. Chuck and I both, uh, and I think most people in our office, were very confident, especially after the Senate passed their uh, their uh, comprehensive immigration reform bill over the summer in June, um, no less, that something would have come out of the House by now. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Oh, it has We've had a few distractions since June on the national scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> namely, uh, websites not working properly. Um, government shutdown. I don't even remember what it was before that in, in – oh, Syria. We had the whole let's go to war with Syria thing. So we've had some distractions. Little thing about Benghazi too, I know. S- something, something. I don't know. So I don't want to say I'm giving them a pass, but it's – you know, this is the uh, this is the status quo. This is what happens. Um, we, we were confident it was going to – that that comprehensive immigration reform would come would have come out of the House by now. Um, obviously it hasn't. I don't think uh, – are they even in session today? I, I, don't, I, I highly doubt it, it, their is work. Is in session and work, are those synonymous? <laughs> At any rate, no, the yeah, answer is no. I highly doubt something will come out today. So it's going to be in 2014. We remain very confident uh, that that something will get done. Um, and, and, and because uh, for the simple fact that the Republicans need it uh, more than the Democrats do. We've, we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show that the Republicans need a win. Uh president needs a win now too because <laughs> he's had a few setbacks. So um, Let me ask you, and this is sort of immigration-wise of sorts uh, because a lot of things have been talked about immigration. But you, you brought it up with the regard to distractions. I, I don't know. I, I know you're a historian. You like history. and you, I, I, I play one on TV. Pardon? I play one on TV. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, have you in your young memory – Recall, and I, I try. I think about this frequently. I've never seen a time over the you know the past five years, literally, that more things have come up as distractions. I mean, you know, you can say nine eleven was a pretty good sized distraction yeah. for Bush, but it wasn't a constant. You know, this, this, this. this. I mean, I, just I, I, I will. I understand what you're saying in, in terms of the distractions that have, that have been out there, and I don't necessarily know if it's it's more distractions or or a change in the way media is provided and consumed. Because people kind of are going from you know topic to topic. People have an attention span of you know. 30 seconds. Are you saying yeah. everybody should be on ADHD <laughs> drugs? Is that- no, no. I, I'm just saying that I, I think that part of that, yeah, there's probably been um, you know more distractions uh, than ever. Uh, but I think part of it has to do too with uh, the way um, you know media seizes on stories, um, stories that you know five, six, seven years ago would have never seen the light of day get all kinds of blown out of proportion. And th- and, th- and that's for another reason too because the, the increasing uh, polarization of uh, you know 
the the electorate, the the, the populace. I mean, it, we've never been more divided. And and when I say never been more divided, we're really most people are really close together. They just don't know why they go to one side or the other. You know. Well, you so, know, with, with the with the uh, problems that our country has, when you have a situation where. Miley Cyrus gets more attention than than our economy or, you know, Phil Robertson and whether you agree or disagree or whatever, and I happen to agree with him, but um, it's still, you know, it, it, there was way, way well, too I, much uh, over listen, the I, I think that that just speaks to uh, speaks to our culture. I mean that that's uh, well. Let me ask you straight people, on: Is people, immigration more important? And immigration more important than Phil Robertson? Absolutely it is. But for most people, it's not. Because for most people, the vast majority of people in this country, they care about debating whether or not Phil Robertson should be banned from A&E, the reasons why he should be, the reasons why he shouldn't be, versus actually fixing our immigration system. Because how the immigration system, whether it's fixed or not, really doesn't matter to a large swath of the populace. What difference does it make? Did somebody (laughs) – make that statement well i mean who are you alluding to (laughs) no i mean that's the thing is it it really i obviously think it's a huge deal because it's there's all kind of collateral effects and consequences to not fixing the system uh you know that are i think catastrophic uh in the long run in, in just in economic terms forget the the human the the human cost while high uh but again most people care more about Debating the merits of Phil Robertson on A and E on Facebook or wherever than they do about something as vital to our national interest as immigration. I mean, immigration when you get down to it is about replacing people. Okay, because I don't know if you know we've got we. This is one of the first shows I did down here. We talked about the declining birth rate all over the Western Hemisphere, in particular in the United States, and so we've got to replace people. So I mean, at its, I mean, it's like for national survival. Okay. You know, you, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, you should be. We, maybe we should send this to the the uh, what is it? The premier or emperor of Japan by twenty? I think it said twenty twenty. I, I mean, it's they've in the got very crazy near. declining birth rates over there. Oh yeah, like, yeah. It ain't gonna be happening. And yeah. uh, this is this is. I mean, in the very near future, the twenty twenty or something. I just, I, you know, you catch something yeah. as you're passing through. But, but. but the, it's it's happening all over the developed world. Uh, you, it's happening in Europe. You have these aging populations, and and th- there's you know there's no new blood. I know, I know it's kind of a callous way to look at immigration, but it it is one of the ways to look at it. Is as is immigration to a country with a declining birth rate is new blood. It's how you sustain your nation. How you sustain your nation socially, economically, in 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 a lot of aspects, and and if we don't fix our system, people won't want to come here because I, I've I've seen it in my practice, David, where people some people are just so fed up with the system they're just like screw it, I'm done with this, I'm going to stay here as long as I can, documented or undocumented, and then when the the heat gets too hot, I'm going to leave because. And, and those are the people that we don't want to lose. You know, I'll be the first one to tell you there are some people, there are some immigrants who are undesirable. There are plenty of Americans who are undesirable as well. But the vast majority of them are very desirable, and we need them in our economy. And this, and and I, yeah. I focus on this way more than on the human cost because 
I think this is something – the economic uh, aspect of immigration is something that everybody can get behind. I mean you, you need labor. I mean there's a demand for it, uh, skilled and unskilled. Um, but there is a human toll to, to, to how broken the system is. I mean we're breaking apart families every day. We've talked about it on the show before. Uh, President Obama has deported more people uh, in his time in office than I uh, think – Several presidents before him combined, definitely more more than uh, President Bush. So you know, it, he really hasn't put his money where his mouth is. I mean, well, you know, I, and, and and you you say Obama. <laughs> I personally, you know, we're not talking uh, about the man. We're talking administration. About the, has, we're talking we're talking about the phenomenon. Yeah, but, but let me. You know, another thing that I that I, I've harped on this year, and and you and you and uh, Charles have too, or we've talked about it anyway. One thing I think that would help, and I've never I've never seen this on mainstream media. I haven't really heard it coming out of any politicians' mouths. <laughs> but you you know, mainstream media and 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 the politicians, a lot of people have put an equal sign between immigration and Mexican. That they're that they're they're synonymous, you know. They're they're the same same thing. Somebody should be coming out and saying, "Look, immigration affects the people, like like the people the the family from Germany that were deported." But immigration includes everyone, everyone, everyone. It, it's but it's, am I wrong in saying no, that? No, you're you're not. I mean, it, and and to be honest, when when you hear somebody say the term illegal immigrant, what? It happens. It pops into my head too. What do you think of? You it's think Mexican. of somebody it's that's dark somebody, skinned from Mexico. Somebody is broken into our country <laughs> on the southern exactly. border. Exactly. And and I don't know when that started. Uh, you know, when when the perpetuation of that uh, started. Uh, you know, probably in the eighties with Reagan's amnesty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it is a problem because people equate immigration reform to th- those who are uh, opposed to it equate it with um, amnesty for welfare seeking Mexicans, and that's just it's so far removed that that uh, perception that that uh, perception of of what immigration is uh, you know legal or illegal is is so far removed from reality it's just it's just baseless. But unfortunately, that's what a lot of people think about it is immigration reform. Should dash? Should we uh, allow more Mexicans to stay here legally who came in illegally? Uh, let's take a quick break and uh, come back. And I've got a really interesting topic for us. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, 
Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. Um, You're getting me so excited talking about <laughs> Getting you so excited. Um, yeah, we kind of had a little hodgepodge there of what's uh, the, the first uh, segment of what's uh, happening in the, uh, the immigration world. Bottom line, folks, immigration reform hasn't happened. It's languishing in the House. We're beholden to politicians who work 20 days a year, 30 days a year. I may be overstating eh, that. Might be, but let, let's let's give it thirty days a year. Um, so we're waiting with bated breath, and I tell people every day, David, listen, sitting and waiting is probably your best option. Stay under the radar, and hopefully we get something done. Obviously, it's not a guarantee, but we're, we're all waiting. And then, I mean, that's really all I can say about that. That that's just like Putin's waiting in Russia to hear from Obama how he should handle the bombings. And I just can't see Putin getting down on his knees and apologizing for those people being at the wrong bus and and uh, attacking their railroad station and saying, gee, come do it again to I us. I don't see the uh, former uh, SVR employee who spent many years in East Germany uh, for the uh, successor to the KGB doing anything of the sort. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, by the way, really fast, totally off top here. Are you a Tom Clancy fan? Tom Clancy fan? Tom Clancy fan. Read his books? I, no, to answer your question, I'm not. I've read some, but I I, I am a big fan. I just found this guy, uh, Vince Flynn. Oh, you, hold on, folks. You're like, digressing. You just found Vince Flynn? Yeah, yeah. I just oh, read he's his, awesome. I just read his uh, his his very first book oh, was you, you got uh, Time Limits. You got a and, tr- term limits, yeah. Term limits, yep, I mean, yep. time. Term limits. And I, I, I'm going to be reading the rest of his. And you know, he died this year. Yeah, he did. Uh, June Prostate 2013, cancer. yeah. Yep. 47 50, years old. I thought old. he was like 51. No, no 47. 47. Well, um, this, you know, Vince Flynn people, feel free to, you know, we're, we're plugging you. Uh, but the reason I bring up the Clancy thing is because his latest book, which I just uh, read over the holiday, is uh, kind of a the, – the main character, the Russian premiere in the book is really – He's not named Putin. But, <laughs> you know, he's former KGB officer, sends the president. You know, uh, excellent book. Pro- might be one of his best. And I don't know how much because uh, Tom Clancy died this year as well. You know, I don't know how yeah, much he contributed mysteriously. to it. <laughs> mysteriously, uh, I don't know how much he actually put into it. It's got his style, uh, but the guy who helped him, uh, who ghost wrote it. I mean, they did a phenomenal job, and it's uh, yeah. So if you're a Clancy fan, you know, check the, it out. Clancy and and Flynn and. Uh, uh, Brad Barr and a few others. Oh, you know, it's amazing. The, the term limits was written in 1998. Oh yeah, yeah. He you didn't know. get. I re, I'll tell you what. I the Vince Flynn stuff. I read. Uh, we'll stop talking about this in 30 seconds, people. Uh, the Vince, the first Vince Flynn book I read. I think I read was uh, Memorial Day. It's like his fourth yeah. or fifth book. And somebody sent it to me when I was in Iraq, and I read it, and I was like, man, this book is awesome. i got to find out where this guy's other books are. And then over like a four-month span, I read everything up and to, to current, and then as soon as his books came out, I was buying it on the Kindle. You know, it, it's like they have a pretty good crystal ball describing, you know, 20 years ago describing what's happening today. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? You, Brad Thor. Just 
look, look up Brad Thor. He's a Vince Flynn type writer. Just check him out. All right, let's go on to uh, some immigration-specific stuff here. We're going to be uh, talking a little bit about um, British immigration law today, believe it or not, uh, as kind of a corollary to it's happening there, it could happen here. Um, now, let me preface this first by saying kind of the holy grail of immigration you know, law, I mean, like the bedrock, I think the base of it is, is citizenship. I mean, the, the first thing you have to define is who's a citizen and who's not a citizen for for any system of immigration laws to work. Okay, so it's kind of the holy grail, and and in most, um, let me just say, in, in our country, okay, the United States of America, uh, once you get it, it's really hard to lose it. Okay, um, and I'm I'm not aware of any case where somebody who has citizenship by birth uh, has lost it. But I wanna, I, I was. Uh, perusing the internet, the interwebs. Uh, I was going to talk about this last week, actually. I was perusing, uh, perusing the interwebs uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I came across a uh, – just I think it was on Twitter or something, a little blurb talking about the, uh, the home office in uh, the United Kingdom uh, stripping people of citizenship who were born in the UK. Now, uh, just, just so everybody's on the same page here, the home office in um, the United Kingdom is, is – Kind of similar to the Department of Homeland Security. Okay, so they're they're kind of equivalent agencies, although there are, there are some differences. Okay, so I, I read that and I was thinking, I was like, how how are they? Uh, how is the government stripping people of citizenship um, when when there's no fraud involved? Because obviously, if there's fraud involved in securing your uh, citizenship through naturalization um, or you know proffering a false birth certificate or a fraudulent birth certificate or something, there is a process whereby which those people can be denaturalized. But this uh, story that I read, uh, this, this blurb that I read uh, talking about the home office in the United Kingdom stripping people of their citizenship had nothing to do with fraud in, the, uh, in securing their citizenship. It had to do with um, whether or not those people were conducive to the public good. Okay, so let me uh, let me just tell you what what they're doing. Basically, um, after the London 2005 uh, bombings, that was kind of their uh, their 9/11. They kind of had a knee-jerk reaction, similar to what we did with the Patriot Act after 9/11, and they they somewhat altered their uh, their immigration laws, and they uh, came up with a uh, test whereby the Home Secretary, which is kind of like I said, their uh, their secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, can deprive an individual of British citizenship if the home secretary believes it to be conducive to the public good, which is the standard for a test that has historically been applied to non-British citizens facing deportation from the United Kingdom. So let, let me unpack that a little bit. Basically, they altered their immigration laws to say, we can deprive you of your citizenship, whether that citizenship was secured by naturalization or by birth in the United Kingdom. We can deprive you of that citizenship if we determine it to be, or if we determine that you, or excuse me, if we determine that the, the deprivation of your citizenship, essentially taking your citizenship, is conducive to the public good. Which is a test that was previously applied to people who were non-citizens and their deportation. 
So they've taken a, a low standard and applied it to citizens. What do you think about that? That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Okay, and this is without judicial. I'm going to tell you how they do it. You're going to be even more surprised. Okay. Obama There's... signs an executive <laughs> order. Well, I got it. Well, they they actually don't. They haven't gotten this. Actually, maybe less process. Uh, shout out to Eric Holder there. You know, uh, he he's the sole arbiter of what processes do to people. Just FYI for everybody listening. Um, no, so what they're doing is uh, – let me back up just a tad here. In Britain, you have a – I don't know if you know – there's a very large population of um, foreign-born Pakistanis, uh, people from the Middle East who have children there or who uh, immigrated to Britain long ago and who are now citizens. <clears throat> and there's a very militant strain uh, – in those people, okay? Yeah, I, they kill off soldiers. I mean, they cut the soldiers' <laughs> throats, I think. All right, well, a different topic, different day. But we're, we're talking about people who are British citizens, whether by birth or by naturalization, okay? Um, <clears throat> that come from, you know, Pakistan, uh, India, wherever, okay? Now, it's very often very hard to prove a terrorism case, okay? And so you have a lot of evidence out there that is it's circumstantial at best. It's very hard to convict somebody of of a crime that uh, they may commit in the future without some hard evidence. You have to kind of catch them red-handed. But as we know, uh, you know, states all over the world are, are unwilling to take that chance and, and wait and prosecute after the fact, which is pretty much what we did up until 9-11, okay? Now, uh so what they're doing is these individuals who the British government suspects of ties to terrorism. And I have no idea what the evidence is against these people or anything. And probably some of them some of them are bad dudes. Okay? I'm I'm not I'm not debating that. Okay? What what we're talking about here today is is the state of the law that allows this kind of thing to go on. So what, they're, what, what the British government will do is when they have these individuals um, <clears throat> who they suspect being to, uh, uh, of having ties with organizations that wish to do the British government harm, when these people leave the country for vacation, holiday, whatever it is, they, de- they revoke their citizenship, cancel their passport. And when they try to come back in the country – they are not allowed back in because they have no valid status. They're no longer British citizens. Now, David, sure. you can challenge this judicially only if you're in the United Kingdom. It's hard if you're it's on the other side of the fence. Exactly. Love now, let me, let, me just, let me just say this. Everybody can get on board with this. Oh, hey, yeah. The reason nobody's up in arms about this is because, oh, it's terrorists. It's terrorism. It's, it's the counterterror mission. You'll get people in the populace, people that work for the national security apparatus in this country, in the United Kingdom as well, who say, hey, listen, these are bad dudes. And like I said, fully concede, some of these dudes – and maybe all of them are bad. But this is establishing a dangerous precedent, David, there, which could be used here. Uh, it, I mean a small tweak to the law, this could be used here. They're denying people citizenship with the only test being conducive to the public good. Now, this uh, th- this article that I'm that I'm referencing right now 
you know, the, it's kind of a defensive article. Say, it, uh, one of the quotes here was, "It was only used four times in the following four years from 2005, um, and it's been used nine times since last year's general election." So from 2005 to 2009, they used it four times. From uh, since then, nine times. This article, David, was written in August of 2011. You think they've used it? significantly more or significantly less since then? You know, they have a very, very liberal prime minister. He yep. and he and uh, Obama hold hands frequently. <laughs> um, I, You know, I, I my gut feeling would say that they haven't used it at all. Oh, but, goodness me. Uh, you know. The prime minister is not even the one making this decision. It's essentially the secretary, their home secretary, which would be, uh, who's the new Homeland Security Secretary? Uh, Jay Johnson, yeah. uh, Janet Napolitano before that. It would be allowing her or the new guy to make this determination on their own and inform people uh, once they've left the country, when, they, when they're trying to come back in. I have a new article that I printed out from the 23rd of December of this year. All right? Just going to go over some of the highlights here. The Home Secretary so far this year, 2013, has revoked the British citizenship of 20 people. Good for him. Good oh, for come, her. come on. Can you not get, though, the precedent this is established? Let me, let me ask come you something. On. Let me ask because I don't <laughs> know British. This is how it starts, David. I don't know British law. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know British law either. But are, is that person appointed like our homeland security person is appointed? I, I would, I would How do they gain their I, I would position? assume so, but I wouldn't even want elected officials touching citizenship for reasons that are as nebulous as whether or not this person's citizenship it, it, continuing to have it is conducive to the public good. I don't want anyone with that power, David. Well, they could shoot them. <laughs> Well, we could just shoot everybody, and then life would be a hell of a lot easier. But so, no, I, I think you know, I can. I like the. I quite frankly, I like the idea. Okay, but I think it should be a judicial. If if say this person in their homeland, whatever, goes to a judge and says, "Okay, this is why I want to revoke his passport," and and shows them shows the judge you know it would almost be like getting a search warrant if 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 okay. they prove that the right. person so, is a, a bad person to a judge and the judge stamps it says okay do it okay let me let me say that's this better thing. than spending okay, the money just, for a jury let, let me let me let me let me let me go this i think we actually need to take a break we here do. really fast We're late. So We're let's late. take a quick break and uh, we'll come back and get knee deep in this soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. 
Whether it's help with e-verifying your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio here. Um, this is your host, Rocky Rockliffe. Um, David, we were talking before the break a little bit, um, just to bring everybody kind of up to speed, about the uh, process um, whereby which the Home Secretary in the United Kingdom, equivalent to our DHS Secretary, can deprive people of citizenship and how the test that they apply, whether or not to deprive people of the citizenship, is uh, whether or not they are that person's uh, continued citizenship is conducive to the public good. And you, you brought up a really good point, and – and, and, and I'm glad you did because it's the same way a lot of people feel, especially given the circumstances and, and the facts surrounding some of these guys. Because, hey, read about some of these guys. They're bad dudes, okay? But the problem is this. Um, you say you, you want some sort of judicial uh, process that, the, that they can go through to, to take these people's citizenship. So you're in favor of it. I, and, and I think that that's the way a lot of people feel about it. But – the problem with that, from my point of view, is even if we give judicial process to something like this, it, what happens is you have a very, very subjective test that, that is going to be applied, it, namely whether or not the deprivation of that person's citizenship is conducive to the public good. And, and some of these guys may be bad guys, but if they were really – you're basically – depriving them of citizenship for thought crime if you don't have anything hard to go on, okay? And right now, while it may be easy to distinguish between, uh, you know, these guys' political opinions and, and their affiliations and stuff, it may not be so easy 10 years down the road when this is this becomes the norm because if you really wanted to take if, – if you really wanted to – Get these people out of the out of the equation. Criminally prosecute them and put them away in prison. Simply depriving them of citizenship is just getting them out of Britain. It's not doing anything to take them off the streets. And would if they are militant, it probably makes them more so when they can't get back into their country of citizenship. Okay, so you're probably making the situation worse. But if they really are bad people, let's prosecute them for. They should be prosecuted for criminal violations of the law, not because you have some because the state has some sort of circumstantial evidence to show that they have an affiliation with an organization. Because David, it wouldn't be that far removed for the the British government, and and, and we're talking about Britain today because this could happen here. You, you could amend the Immigration and Nationality Act. Uh, I mean you'd have some constitutional issues, but hey, we've been ignoring the Constitution for damn near 100 years now. Uh, so th this could happen here just as easily, but the, the British government could determine that somebody's uh, speech uh, against the government or against the state, that that's not conducive to the public good because that's the test. Whether or not that person's continued citizenship is conducive to the public good. And I'm not saying that these guys that they're taking it away from now, that 
it's conducive to the public good not to do so. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that they're setting the bar very low for something everybody agrees on that everybody that nobody really has a problem with. Uh, that is I that, think is, is a that really, abiding by the British law at this point. It, it is, but that's the. Pro- I mean, we have tons of laws that are all kinds of messed up. It, it, there's nothing. Was there terrorism when <laughs> this the is not British... illegal? What they're doing, I mean, it's 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 legitimate in in Britain. Just like a lot of the stuff we do under the Immigration and Nationality Act here in the United States is is legally correct. It doesn't make it right. And and the argument I'm kind of making is the slippery slope argument that I think that today, while it's not really that big a deal, uh, and 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 it's probably being used properly uh, because some of these dudes, that, you know, their circumstances are, are they really are bad guys. It's a very slippery slope when you have a test. The, the law is conducive to the public good. Let me ask. Laws. and I, what <laughs> Britain's under – it's not constitutional. They have a parliamentary a, system. A parliament, okay. Uh, but they do have not a constitution, but they have the, – they've got, they've got something founding – they've got governing documents. Well, what the hell is the, the – I can't remember from – Anyway, but okay, you got Britain, you got the United States, which obviously much much younger, and now you've got this term that we throw around frequently called terrorism. But terrorism, which I could do many shows on just that word, terrorism. Uh, exactly, it's not a new word. It's a no. very it's it's been about it's, it's a France subjective. terrorized Britain. Britain terrorized the United States, or, or even before it's it was the United States. It's a subjective definition for a political military tactic. But we've we've taken that word, and like with so many cases today, are in the 20th century and now the 21st century, we've taken it and put it under the media microscope. And for me, I, maybe not for you as an attorney and being much smarter than, than the average dog, um, <laughs> there's a, it's a very difficult thing to draw, a, heaven forbid, a line in the sand and, and what is domestic terrorism and what is an attack, what is war outside of domesticity. So, you know, are we at war if somebody strikes us? Well, see, and I mean, we're so, getting, yeah, and then no, no, you get absolutely. into immigration. I have very, I have very developed opinions. So, okay, about so that. Okay. let me ask: so, Is this are they they refusing to give them back their passports because they're terrorists? Are they at that, war with somebody? That's basically when you read about uh, some of the stories of these guys. Uh, that's what's happening. They're leaving to go, and if uh, they they have nothing on these people that they've committed some sort of crime. They're just suspected. Their affiliations. And so, if you other deported intel- the the Guantanamo prisoners, if you uh, sent them back, would you take away their passports and never let them back in the U.S.? It, it, we're talking about citizenship here, though. If they're U.S. citizens and they're being held at Guantanamo Bay, uh, I believe that that is. I don't care where you're, where you are in the world, outside of a declared war which last time I checked, the last time we did that was World War II, um, you are entitled to due process before your liberty is taken from you. Um, and it, 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 We're talking about something very fine. We're talking about citizenship here, and, and, the, and, and citizenship is a 
is a big deal. I, I called it earlier. I called it the holy grail of, of uh, you know, the, the bedrock of any system of immigration laws. Who is a citizen and who is not? Who is subject to removability from a country and who is not? And the the British government has changed the rules on this. And I think it could easily be changed here in the United States, especially if we had some sort of other, you know, crazy 9-11 style attack. People would be on board with this all day. They'd be like, hey, get them out of here. I mean, get them out of here. Take their citizenship. I don't care if they're. I don't care if they have citizen kids or whatever. That people will be like, get them out of here. But it, right now, it's most nobody's really up in arms about this. Because Wait a second, you said something very important. <laughs> what you got? If they change the law, don't we live? Aren't we a country of laws, supposedly? But if well, if our Congress adapted a law that said if we have uh, we can take due process and we can take – and well, make in it this, law. In this country, it would be a little bit different. Um, you might be able to get around naturalized U.S. citizens am- uh, amending the Immigration and Nationality Act. Birthright citizenship is a constitutional issue. So it would not require just a change in the statutory scheme. It would require a change to the constitution. Uh, specifically the 14th Amendment. 14th? Don't quote me. You better be right. Sure it's, it's the 14th. There I've got people, final answer. There are people um, listening. That- <laughs> so you would have to amend the Constitution uh, because birthright – there's no process that I'm aware of right now whereby which the government can deprive someone of – the U.S. government can deprive someone of their citizenship uh, that was secured through birth. So you would have to amend the Constitution for that. And, and the reason I said or Are earlier, you saying I said a naturalized in, can be, though? There's a process whereby which naturalized citizens can be denaturalized. The Really the only way – the only and that's very rare, and it's usually only when there's been significant fraud committed in the naturalization process. Okay? Um, so there's a process for that in the statutory scheme that would – that could be altered – in my opinion, without altering uh, the Constitution. Birthright citizenship, which is what scares me the most about this, what's happening in Britain, is because they're doing this to people who were born in Britain, people who secured citizenship through birthright. That's the scariest part. So in this country, you would have to amend the Constitution to do that. Now, I think they could do legally, for it to be legally correct, you would have to amend the Constitution. As I said previously, we've been ignoring the Constitution for damn near 100 years. Um, So... Just be and and I and I know you're bringing up the if it's if it's legally correct it, it I know you're not equating it with this but a lot of people think that if something is legally correct it's it's morally acceptable and I do I make I think that every law <laughs> should be evaluated separately uh, for a, a moral component just because something is legal does not make it moral and just because something is moral does not mean that it won't be illegal. Um, but but getting back to this topic, uh, you would have to – I think some crazy event here in the United States again would – that something like this could happen here easily. Let me ask. In all, and we got to take a break. Yeah. But in all countries, if you're born in that country and you're not – your family's not a, a, a you, ambassador or, right. or something like that. You it, don't get citizenship. Mo- I don't want to say most countries but a lot of countries do not recognize that. 
Okay. Can you name the countries that do? Uh, we do. Well, um, I know we do. <laughs> yeah. That's one. Well, I'll tell and you. And Britain, co- you said, that's two. Uh, countries that don't do it. Saudi Arabia. No, I'm <laughs> saying countries that countries do. Countries that do. Uh, I know we do, and I know Britain does. Um, France. Birthright citizenship is 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 legally speaking is is relatively a new con is is a relatively new concept um, in in the history of of our our planet. Um, so let's take a quick break here and come back and uh, put a bow on this edition of the Immigration Hour for 2013. Soy Charles Cook. Abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet al www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And the question is on the Immigration Hour, does Britain continue to terrorize Ireland? Taking their beer, taking their pubs. Taking everything from them. Aww. For those we not the in the know, uh, uh, on, the, <laughs> on the break there, uh, I received a, an email from uh, a wonderful colleague, Grace Kennedy, informing us that uh, Britain continues to terrorize uh, terrorize Ireland. Um, open and, and invitation for her to come down here and, and elaborate. I, I, I'm sure she would have some fiery commentary for us on that. So, uh, Grace, Ireland continues to terrorize Ireland, don't they? I don't know enough about it to say yes or no. I mean, there was a time that between the the uh, Catholics and the Protestants. Oh yeah. And... Oh, I'm 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 definitely on the side of the IRA on that whole thing. All right. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I, listen, David. I don't think it's any secret. I'm not a huge fan of central authority. Shocker. Yeah, that I know. Is, huh? Not a huge fan of central authority. So the more you like this you... organization, huh? <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's common common misconception um, that a lot of people think that uh, when you because I hesitate a lot to uh, describe and I don't even want to use the word here. I'm going to though is uh, a lot of people refer to themselves as anarcho capitalists or anarchists or whatever. That does not mean the absence of order. Anarchy simply means the absence of forced order. And I am against forced order. I, I I don't like any type of forced order. I like voluntary. Oh. Does that mean you don't like Obamacare that <laughs> mandates that you have insurance? David, I have health insurance, and so I try not to think about that because. <laughs> well, what's a mandate? Oh man, is that forced order? I, listen, 
Are, are you confusing me? I know you say your president. Are you confusing me with being a fan of uh, of Obama? And for all those out there that think I'm a Bush fan, I, I could go on him too. So it's I'm equal opportunity when it comes down to that. But let's uh, let, let's let's get back. I want to I want to tie up this uh, this topic we were talking about here um, to uh, regarding the the deprivation of citizenship in Britain because I, I think it has some powerful uh, insights and lessons for. For us here in the United States, um, as far as what could happen in the future, because David, any of these big changes in the uh, big changes like this, they don't start out with, "Hey, I don't like your political opinion. I'm going to deport you, or I'm going to take your citizenship." Nothing starts out that obvious. It always starts out something where everybody can kind of get on board with it. Um, It like uh, you know. Similar to uh, all the economic reforms of the, of the 30s and 40s and, and, and the income tax and stuff. It's like you, you take income tax as a perfect example. When they passed the uh, 13th uh, – no, excuse me, the uh, 16th Amendment to the Constitution allowing for uh, direct taxation and income taxes, it was, it was like a half percent tax on like the top 2 percent of earners and it would never get to the common man. And 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 – they got that through. They amended the Constitution for it. David, we got people paying over 50% of their income in taxes now. So that's the slippery slope we get on when you give the state this kind of power. That hurts they them. use it to perpetuate themselves. And you would have to be crazy to think that a politically motivated well, – a politician are all politically motivated – that politicians at some point in the future, if they had some – some legal basis to deprive people of citizenship, to keep them out of the debate, keep them out of the process, that they would not use it and trump up some pretext to say, hey, this is why we're taking it. And and, and this relates to the immigration debate because citizenship, as I said before, is the bedrock principle in any system of immigration laws. And so really quick, I want to read um, – I'll just spend a couple more minutes on this here and then we can wrap up uh, – for the uh, the 2013 edition here, I, I want to read the uh, portion of the text regarding the deprivation of citizenship that's uh, part of the British uh, Nationality Act. It's very similar to our Immigration and Nationality Act. Um, the, the the relevant language here regarding the general power to deprive people of citizenship under such and such section of the Act amended here. Uh, the Home Secretary has the uh, authority to deprive uh, a British a, a British citizen. British Overseas Territory Citizen, British Overseas Citizen, British National, parentheses overseas, British Protected Person or British Subject may, by order, be deprived of his or her citizenship or status if the Home Secretary is satisfied that it would be conducive to the public good to deprive the person of his or her British nationality and that he or she would not become stateless as a result of the deprivation. Now, that's a very low test, conducive to the public good. I think there's several enterprising politicians that could make an argument for those who espouse a political opinion that is not left or right but anti-state as not being conducive to the public good. I do you think that's a stretch? Yeah, I've got a question for you. Is this – Question away. Is there a difference, and, and in my opinion, there's a big difference. Would you call this an active or a reactive law? 
Oh, it's definitely reactive. Okay, so... I mean, it was passed after the 2005 London train bombings. Yeah, so it was reactive. Correct. Is there, is there, is active, an active law better than a reactive law? Generally speaking, I would say no. That reaction is usually reacting and not being proactive is generally speaking a bad way to make law um, because the reactive uh, lawmaking function is is highly emotional. I mean, we saw that with the the Patriot Act after nine eleven. It was highly emotional. Uh, people were scared, um, and 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 rightly so. But it doesn't make uh, for good law. But the the problem with this stuff is whether it's active or reactive. It's not take states, and when I say states, it, it, uh, you know. States around the world, the United Kingdom, the United States, uh, France, Germany, Italy, whatever they, whatever state that may be, they're <clears throat> they're more and more going to this reactive lawmaking and not really basing their their lawmaking in any sort of concept of fundamental rights. Um, and and citizenship is a uh, say what you will. I think that your citizenship, birthright citizenship, I think is a fundamental right. You. Being born somewhere, it's your, it's like your right to live, David. I mean, it's it's where you you can't really help where you're born. Where you're born is where you're born, and I, I know there's those out there who want to you know take this and go into the birthright citizenship uh, argument and say, hey, yeah, we got to get rid of that, and then we you know won't have these problems. But I think that opens up a whole can of worms that we don't want to address because it gives more power to the state to infringe on your fundamental right just to be, just to exist, okay? And so I, I think that's that's the problem with it. And and, and a lot of these, as you said, these reactive uh, laws uh, like this, like the Patriot Act, while well-intentioned initially, um, end up with these disastrous consequences. Listen, but I mean, it's, but it's, don't it's, active laws do the same? <laughs> No, I, I, I think that act. I, I think there's more, there's less debate surrounding. Has, the has anything in the Constitution function. not been challenged <laughs> at some point or the other? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's kind of a broad brush, active or reactive. But I, it, things that are reactive, especially reactive to crisis and things like that, I think are, as I said, generally speaking, bad because they're highly emotional and there's a lot less debate. Absent 9-11, absent the London train bombings, you would have had – in order to change the laws like this or with the Patriot Act, you would have had to have significantly more debate if you were even able to get something like that through. So I think the act – whether – when you're pushing an agenda that's not motivated by reactionary you know, crisis, emergent forces, whatever it is, uh, I think you would have more debate. And, and I'm not saying a good law would come out of it. I mean, Obamacare was definitely an active, you know, the Affordable Care Act was definitely an active uh, sort of lawmaking function. Uh, but there is more debate surrounding it. I know you don't remember World War II. But no, the, no. But uh, the United States in, in, a, in one of our islands called Hawaii was attacked by uh, the Japanese. Oh, David. So okay. where is the law that said <laughs> I'm – 
my parents are Japanese, but I'm born in the United States. Who gives the government the right to put me in an internment camp? Well, uh, in that case, David, uh, they were put in those internment camps, and that was subsequently declared to be unconstitutional. Yeah, uh, after the war. A- absolutely. And, and a lot of uh, – listen – People's rights get trampled. Uh, I mean, ask. A, there's a lot of people who are citizens and permanent residents of this country after 9/11 whose liberty, who were deprived of their liberty, whether it be for an hour or two or several days or weeks. Uh, innocent people, people who had nothing to do with it, just like those Japanese people did. I think we, as a society, were probably more cognizant of of what we had done previously. Um, in World War II, but that was declared unconstitutional. But we see what crisis will do, and uh, you know you're seeing it here in Britain that they're ba- they're going, I mean, they're going to the mat on this, David. They're saying, "Hey, we're taking your citizenship for be- because we don't think you continuing to be a citizen is conducive to the public good." I mean that's that's the reaction that uh, that that's the reaction that you're getting. I mean it's it's. Uh, so what does Britain do? They go to Ireland and beat up on them. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Ireland and beat up on them. I think they're going to continue to do going to continue to do that. Uh, but you know it's just uh, it's part and parcel of uh, you know why we need to fix. Uh, you know this is just this is just one example of how uh, you know the the immigration laws could are going awry in another country and how they could go awry in this country, uh, especially if we were subjected to some other uh, sort of uh, crazy attack or something. But um, that's uh, that's really all I got, David. We're, we're, hoping, uh, we're hoping to uh, ring in the new year with some good news sooner rather than later on the immigration front, um, you know. They're going to continue to squabble over it in uh, in Congress, whether or not there's a path to citizenship or whether it's amnesty, whatever. Bottom line, people want to work and they want to travel. And uh, hopefully we can get something uh, through the Congress that will uh, fix that situation. Uh, thanks for listening to us this year. You can find us on iTunes, and uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Bye-bye. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.